Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, there was a pastor who was delivering his sermon on Christmas Eve night, and unfortunately, it wasn't going very well. Sometimes that happens to us pastors. Uh, he kept rambling. He was difficult to follow, and he was just all over the place. Well, when the service was over, he was greeting people at the door and telling them Merry Christmas, and this older woman came up to him, and she surprised him with her comments. She said, Preacher, um, your sermon tonight really touched me, it moved me, it inspired me, and it reminded me of God's peace and God's love. And the pastor was flattered. And he said, really? How so? Well, she said, it reminded me of God's peace in the sense that it surpassed all understanding. <laughs> because truth be told, I didn't understand a single thing you said tonight. And it reminded me of God's love because it endured forever. It just kept going and going and going and going. Well, uh, I'd like to share a message with all of us tonight. And while I'm all for reminding people of God's peace and God's love, I do hope to avoid the pitfalls that that pastor fell into. So I need God's help. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you again for this evening. Uh, this ability to gather, whether we're here in this room or we're joining online uh, from all over the world. God, we have come um, for the sole reason of learning more about you, your greatness, your goodness, and your love that was made real that very first Christmas. I pray that in these words that I'm about to share, that you would be in them, that you would speak through them, and if necessary, God, speak in spite of me. In all things, may Jesus be glorified. May people be drawn unto him. I ask all these things in his name. Amen. Well, for those of you who are just joining us, uh, maybe you're a guest, maybe you're visiting, over the last month, our congregation has been walking through a series of messages. Uh, we saw the bumper video just a second ago, but we've called the series The Gospel in Scrooge. The Gospel in Scrooge. And we're actually finishing up the series tonight. Um, Scrooge, of course, is the protagonist. He's the main character of Charles Dickens' novella, A Christmas Carol. How many of you have heard A Christmas Carol? Or maybe you've seen the movie A Christmas Carol, one of the many, many movies? Uh, Charles Dickens actually first published A Christmas Carol almost 200 years ago on December 19, 1843. And so recognizing just the immense popularity of this story, uh, what we've been doing as a church family is we've been using this story as a window through which to look at the gospel of Jesus, through which to better understand, better comprehend the gospel of Jesus. Now, our English word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which literally means good news. It's also where we get the English word evangelist, good news. And so when we talk about the gospel, we're referring to the good news associated with Jesus. Jesus, the very one whose birth we celebrate tonight. Uh, as we have seen so far in the sermon series, and if you've been with our church for uh, the past few weeks, you know this to be true. As we've seen so far in this series, there are lots of gospel themes in A Christmas Carol. There are plenty of gospel themes to draw out from A Christmas Carol. Now, I'm not going to rehash all of them, but there is one theme that I want to revisit tonight. 
And in fact, it's the first theme that we talked about in the series. And that's this idea that there's a Scrooge in everybody. There is a Scrooge in everybody. And so in the opening pages of A Christmas Carol, we meet Scrooge, and we quickly find out he's one of the meanest guys around. He's selfish, he's uncharitable, he's not kind, he's mean to people. Others are terrified just to be in his presence. And while it's tempting for us as the reader to just write off Scrooge as a bad apple, in actuality, there are traces of Scrooge in every single one of us. There are times and there are moments when Scrooge appears in us in some pretty obvious ways. And maybe some of you are thinking of some times and moments when Scrooge has appeared in you in a pretty obvious way. Uh, I remember hearing a story from John Ortberg, uh, one of my favorite um, pastors and preachers. Uh, one time when he was pastoring a church in California, he was in his office at the church building, and he was trying to get a hold of somebody on the phone. However, the person didn't pick up the phone, so he decided that he was going to leave a voice message. This is before people texted and just said, you know, call me back. He decided to leave a voice message, inviting that person to call him back. So he's leaving the message. Well, all of a sudden, there was this other person that was walking by his office, and he wanted to touch base with them about something. So he says, or he motions, come in, come in, come in. Meanwhile, he's still finishing up the voice message. And so the other person comes in the office and sits down, and he wraps up the message, and then he hangs up the phone. Or at least he thought he hung up the phone. At that moment, he proceeded to talk about the person for whom he had just left the message with the other person who sat down. You see where this is going? And even though this person for whom he had just left the message is a nice person with a kind heart, very charitable, very generous, very caring, because of his own insecurities, he used those qualities not to compliment her, but to make fun of her, create a caricature of her. You want to know what happened next? The phone beeped, and it said, your message has been sent. It had been recording the entire time. When he heard that, his stomach dropped. He felt like he was going to vomit. He got dizzy. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't focus until he had driven to the other side of town and apologized to that person face to face. And thankfully, she was nice enough to accept his apology. Now, fortunately, I haven't done anything like that, but if I'm being honest, I've done some cringeworthy things. That's probably why I used Orpberg's story instead of one of my own stories, right? We've all done cringeworthy things. There is a Scrooge in every single one of us. And listen, the reason I bring all this up again is not to be repetitive. I know we preachers can be repetitive at times. The reason I bring this up again is because, folks, if we don't get this, if we don't grasp the reality that there is a Scrooge within us from which we need to be saved, then we're going to miss out on tonight and what the celebration of Christmas is about. Because when it comes down to it, Christmas is about God's desire, God's deep, passionate, fervent desire to redeem us from our Scrooge, what the Bible calls sin. You see, the truth is, when God initially made us, when God put us together, God did not intend for us to be Scrooges. God intended for us to be people of love. Check out with me what the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Just three words. Let's read these together. God is love. Notice, the apostle doesn't say God has love. 
He doesn't say God possesses love. He says God is love. In other words, love is the very essence of God. Love is the very nature of God. Love is who God is in and of himself. And as those who have been made in God's image, which is true for all of us, because the first page of the Bible says, this is the first statement about humanity that is ever made. It says all of us are made in God's image. While as those who have been made in God's image, it stands to reason that we have been made to love. We have been made to love God, but we've also been made to love each other. What Jesus said were the greatest commandments. Love God, love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. And yet rather than remaining people of love, what happened was we fell into sin and brokenness of our own choosing and volition. That's what the story of Adam and Eve is all about. The story of Adam and Eve is really a story about the whole human race. We became something that God never wanted us to be. In a real sense, we became Scrooges. I suppose God could have written us off. God could have forgotten about us. But that's not what God did. Instead, prompted by the very love, the very love that defines God's nature, God became a human being that first Christmas in Bethlehem to begin the process of redeeming us, saving us, rescuing us, taking away our bent towards sinning, giving us the very life that we crave and the depth of who we are. Earlier we read from 1 John 4, verse 8. Well, listen to what the Apostle John says in the very next verse. This is the very next statement that he makes after saying God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Jesus, this child whose birth we celebrate tonight, Jesus is God's love wrapped in human flesh. And the good news of the gospel, the good news of Scripture, is we can have new life in Jesus. We don't have to be Scrooges anymore. We can be changed and transformed from the inside out. That's why I love A Christmas Carol so much. That's why I adore this story. It's one of my favorite stories. That's why I wanted to do a sermon series based upon this book because when it comes down to it, A Christmas Carol is a story of transformation, isn't it? It's a story about a man who started out one way and in the end he became something entirely different. When Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning, as you may recall, after his very last visit with the ghost, he had been visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, yet to come. When he wakes up after his very last visit, uh, he uh, realizes that he's not dead. He hasn't passed away. He thought that he had passed away, but he's been given another shot at life. So the first thing that he does is he starts um, coughing really hard. Uh, uh, uh. He makes these sounds like that, and he starts hitting his chest. And at first we wonder, what the heck is going on? But then pretty soon, you know what happens? The coughing turns into this big, deep belly laugh. You see, it had been years and years since Scrooge had laughed. His body wasn't used to it. It had to adjust. And then as Scrooge finishes laughing, he hears Christmas bells in the background outside, and he's all confused and disoriented. He has no idea how long he's been with the ghost. It feels like he's been with them a long, long time. And so he's wondering, what day is it? And he sees sunlight coming through the window. So he runs through the window, and he opens it up, and he sees this young man on the street, and he calls out to him. And this is what happens next. This is straight from Dickens' novella. What's today? cried Scrooge, calling downward to a boy in Sunday clothes who perhaps had loitered in to look about him. Eh? returned the boy with all his might of wonder. 
What's the day, my fine fellow, said Scrooge. Today, replied the boy. Why, Christmas. It's Christmas Day, said Scrooge to himself. I haven't missed it. I haven't missed it. You see, Scrooge had FOMO. You ever heard of FOMO before? What does FOMO stand for? Fear of missing out. He had FOMO, fear of missing out. He thought that he had missed out on Christmas. Remember at the beginning of A Christmas Carol? What did he call Christmas? A humbug, which means hoax, imposter, fake, phony. He thought Christmas was a ridiculous holiday, but now he's rejoicing over the fact that he hasn't missed Christmas. He has taken a complete 180. And to be clear, it's not that Scrooge has changed himself. Because Scrooge, like all of us, he was incapable of changing himself, is that Scrooge has been changed through the miracle of Christmas and what God did in his life. Only God could have changed Scrooge. Now, if we're more familiar with the story, we might be thinking, now, now wait a minute, Chris, because a Christmas carol is not actually an explicitly Christian story, right? So God is never identified by Charles Dickens as the source of Scrooge's transformation. So how can you say that God is responsible for Scrooge's transformation since Dickens never says that? Well, actually, Dickens does say that in this very subtle way. You see, Charles Dickens was a masterful writer. He wrote with a lot of intent and purpose. There was a reason that Dickens came up with the names that he did for his characters. Think about the name Scrooge. The name Scrooge sounds mean, doesn't it? It just sounds nasty, Scrooge. But what about Scrooge's first name? What was his first name? Ebenezer. Now, it's probably been a while since you've used the word Ebenezer in a sentence. It's an old word. We don't use it very much these days. Uh, those of us who have been in church for a while, especially in a traditional service, when we hear the word Ebenezer, uh, we call to mind, we probably call to mind, uh, the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come thou fount of, I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to do that. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune thy heart to sing thy praise. Well, there's a line in Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing that goes like this. It's up here on the screen. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come. This hymn was written in 1758, 85 years before Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol. And so people in England back then, they would have been familiar with this hymn. They would have sung it in worship on Sunday mornings. And they would have been familiar with the word Ebenezer. They would have known what that word means. Um, Ebenezer is actually a combination of two Hebrew words. Um, Hebrew is the language of the Old Testament. Greek is the language of the New Testament. So um, Ebenezer is a, a combination of two Hebrew words. Eben, which is the Hebrew word for stone, and Ezer, which is the Hebrew word for deliverer. In other words, somebody who comes alongside another person and helps that individual out. So when we take these two words, Eben and Ezer, and we combine them, we get Ebenezer, which means what? Stone of help. And there's actually a really cool example of this word being used in the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, uh, the Israelites, the people of God, they're battling against against their enemies, the Philistines. The Philistines were longtime enemies of the Israelites. You may recall Goliath. He was a Philistine warrior. Well, it looked like the Israelites were going to lose the battle. They were outnumbered. The Philistines were better. They were stronger. But then God showed up, and God gave his people victory over the Philistines. And so the prophet Samuel, whom this book is named after, um, Samuel, what he does as the leader is he takes a stone, 
But we have to understand about Israelite culture, it's a very visual culture. You ever been to a Jewish wedding? They stomp on a piece of glass because marriages fall apart. That's why you have to be careful when you go into marriage. That's why they stomp on a piece of glass. This is a visual culture. So, they, so Samuel, he takes a stone and he erects it as a way of reminding the people of what God did that day, how God gave his people victory over their enemies. This is what it says in 1 Samuel 7, verse 12. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jashana. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So in the Bible, an Ebenezer is a physical reminder of what God has done. Here's what I think Charles Dickens was doing by giving his main character the name Ebenezer Scrooge. I think Dickens was saying to us in this very subtle way, hey, my character started out as Scrooge, but God changed him. God transformed him. And his first name, Ebenezer, is a sign of that fact. And the miracle of Christmas is that God can change us too. God can change us too. God made you and me in love for himself. And even though we rejected God and we embraced sin and we became Scrooges, God's redemption was made manifest that first Christmas through the cries of baby Jesus. Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning and he declares, I haven't missed it! And the truth is, folks, we haven't missed it either. The miracle of Christmas is with us right now. The gospel says that we can come here tonight as Scrooge and we can leave here changed and transformed, embracing our true identity as a child of God. Should we open up our hearts, allow God's love to flood our lives, open ourselves up to the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ? There was this little boy who built a sailboat. He took all the various pieces and he put them together. He tarred it, he painted it, he finished it up. He was so incredibly proud of his work. Well, as soon as the weather was nice outside, he went down to the lake and he wanted to test that sailboat out. And so he put the sailboat in the water. And sure enough, there was this nice wisp of breeze and it filled the sail and the sailboat was traveling on the water. He was so excited. Well, suddenly, the breeze got stronger and stronger and stronger, and the sailboat began to float further and further away. He waited in the water to go after it, but to no avail. He hoped that the breeze would reposition the boat and it would come back to him, but that didn't happen. Before he knew it, that sailboat was gone. He was heartbroken and devastated. Well, sometime later, he was walking in the downtown area, and he came across this secondhand store, and he saw his sailboat in the display window. It was unmistakably his. So he goes inside the shop and he grabs the boat and he proceeds to leave. And the owner says, now wait a minute, son. That's my sailboat. If you want it, you have to buy it. And the little boy said, no, I, I, I built it myself. You see, there's where I hammered the nails. And this is definitely my sailboat. And the owner says, that doesn't matter. I bought it fair and square from somebody. If you want it, you have to buy it. Little boy didn't have any money. But he worked and he worked and he worked. He did all kinds of chores, all kinds of side projects until he finally had up enough money, raised up enough money. 
So he goes into the shop and he buys the boat. And then as he was leaving the store, he hugged that little sailboat close to him. And he whispered to it, little boat, you are twice mine. First, because I made you. Second, because I redeemed you. Folks, we are twice God's. First, because God made us. God created us and put us together. And second, because God redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ, who came among us that very first Christmas 2,000 years ago. Open up your heart to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Experience the redemption that Jesus' coming makes possible. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Oh God, I remember as a 16-year-old when I finally understood that, that in Jesus Christ you had come for even me. And the truth is, Lord God, there is not a single person for whom you have not come. You have made each and every one of us. You love us in ways that exceed understanding. Thank you for making that love manifest that very first Christmas. I pray that if there's anybody here in this service or anybody joining online who hasn't yet yielded their lives to Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would inspire them to do so now in these moments, even as I'm saying these words, to simply say, Lord Jesus, please come on in. Forgive me, set me free. Give me the redemption that your coming makes possible. Change me from the inside out. And for those of us who have already made that our commitment, tonight we recommit ourselves to you, recognizing how easy it is to stray away. And God, we ask that by your spirit, you might enable us and empower us to share this good news with all whom we encounter. We pray these things in Jesus' name.